Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are y'all ready for the Bible? All right, Romans 8, verse 38 says this, For I am convinced. Would you say the word convinced? I like that word. It's very clear. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you, God, for the gift of family, natural family, our spiritual family. Thank you for the gift of your presence and being able to come together in a safe place and worship you and honor you. And right now we tune our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. And I pray, God, that your word today, God, let your word be that which has authority in our heart. May it be the loudest and most convincing and the most authoritative voice in our lives. And may we distinguish your voice in our hearts over all others. I pray for the empowerment, the leading of your spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to go uh, to Hebrews chapter 10 with you this morning. I've got several different addresses that we're going to go to today, and I have to, be, have to admit to you, like, several of these scriptures, I would love to just kind of, like, camp out and, and preach on that scripture. But I have a very specific place I want to take you today, Um, in this journey in Scripture. And we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. One of my favorite Scriptures, which it's a lot of them that right up there in favorites, so I don't know that I know what favorite means anymore. Hebrews 10, 19 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, there's that word again, confidence, we're in another address, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. Since we have a, a great high priest over the house of God, it's talking about Jesus being the high priest. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's just such an amazing scripture because it's, it's talking about... Um, The fact that we, that you, can approach God with confidence. You ever like growing up and you're like, I don't want to go talk to my parents right now. You know what I'm talking about? You have those moments you're like, I'm a little intimidated. Like what's going on? This scripture is really, it's like kind of that type of feeling. It's like, you know what? You can have confidence to approach God. You don't need to be intimidated. You don't need to be afraid. You need to have confidence that you can come before him. And the picture that's being painted in this scripture in Hebrews is that of an Old Testament model of worship. That's why it refers to a new and living way and Jesus being our high priest. That Old Testament model of worship it's referring to is the what they call the tabernacle of Moses, which is a fancy way of saying his tents. He he had this tent where um, it was called the the holy place, the, the tent, and the priest would go in there, and only the priest would go in there, and they would do their ministry in this holy place. And then inside the tent, so it was the tent within the tent, right? And 
there was another smaller tent called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And in that tent, only one priest, it was the high priest or the, the, the leader of the, of the priest, was, or the one who was elected that year or selected that year anyhow, would go into that tent only once a year and he would only go in with blood. Um, it was the closest place on earth that you could be to God on earth, if you will. You know, we know that God is everywhere, and you can access him everywhere, but because he tabernacled or he was with them in that place, that place represented the closest place on earth, if you will, and it was the the most holy place. It was the place of awe, the place of reverence, the place of honor, the place where we recognized our guilt before God and brought the the blood of the covenant before him and and recognized that sin causes death, and it was the place where where we really respected God purity. And so because it was the place that was considered the closest place on earth and only the high priest only once a year, when people were originally reading the scripture, the wait what moment when they read this was, hold on, confidence to enter that place? Like almost nobody enters that place. Almost nobody goes in, let alone goes in with confidence. Why? Well, why can we go in there? Well, because there is this new and living way that has been opened to us by the blood of Jesus. Notice it's not by your blood. It's not by your works. It's not by anything that you have done. The way that has been made open is by Jesus. As a matter of fact, what's really cool is in the, the physical temple in Jerusalem that they built, uh, it says that the, the curtain that, that, that separated that place, that when Jesus died on the cross, from top to bottom, the curtain ripped open. It's like God's hand himself ripped it open, making this new and living way. Isn't that beautiful? Um, again, it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what he's done. So why does this scripture emphasize confidence in drawing near to God. It, it says, let us, let us draw near. One reason is because our inner critic tells us that we're not worthy to be in God's presence. And here's the challenge. Your inner critic likes to use a little bit of truth. The reality is we're not worthy to be in the presence of God. He makes us worthy. We're going to come back to that a little bit more. But so, we got to remember now, as we're going through this, how you feel about it, it's not that it doesn't matter, but what God says matters way more. Amen? All right. So, our inner critic will tell us that we're not worthy. Our inner critic will tell us that um, we're not lovable. Our inner critic will shout out our faults and things that we've done wrong, and he'll use some truth in it. Our inner critic will speak shame over our lives, and our inner critic loves to use facts, shortcomings, and sins in our lives, and our inner critic loves to speak lies as well. So truth, lies, but that, that inner critic, that inner voice that undermines. And, and it's not just when we worship God, that our inner critic likes to have these conversations with us. Our inner critic likes to have conversations with us when we do life. Am I the only one out, there, out here with an inner critic? No, I know I'm talking to the right crowd. You see, the, the fact is, is, and I'm going to use that phrase a lot, and I'm using it intentionally today. You're going to go home thinking about inner critic, inner critic, inner critic. And when I say that, I mean that voice inside of you 
that is criticizing you, that's tearing you down. The reality is your inner critic, that voice, undermines God's best for you. And it undermines God's words over you. But this is what Jesus says about you. This is what the Word of God says about you. This is what He says. This is in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you. Remember in that scripture in Hebrews we just read? It says, let us draw near to God. In this scripture it says, I have drawn you with my loving kindness, with my unfailing kindness. I mean, the reality is, God wants you. Do you hear that this morning? He wants you. He, he wants to be with you. Sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. We have such a conversation, and it turns into even a loathing of yourself. Such a harshness on yourself. That it's like, I don't even want to be with myself. And the reality is, God, your Father in heaven, your Creator, is saying, I want to be with you. And I want to silence that voice. I want to speak to your heart. I want, to, I want you to feel my love for you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. What's beautiful about the love of God is it's just not fickle. It's not circumstantial. It's not a roller coaster, and yet it's so passionate and so fierce for you. But we'll listen to an inner critic that tells us that we're not lovable. And the reality is he doesn't love you because of your performance. He loves you because he's, you're his. And because he wants, he wants you, and he's pursuing you, and he desires you. And the thing is, is we feel like we have to perform good enough to get to be close enough. And it's never worked that way. It's always been because Jesus is good enough. I love what 1 Peter 2, 9 says. You know, I, I, I did a whole series where I was reading this scripture um, every single week within the last 12 months or so. But it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. It's kind of like, sometimes you got to say, take that inner critic, right? It's kind of like, like you're sparring, like shut up, right? But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, this isn't just like pep talk. Do y'all hear me? I, I, I want you to like listen to these words. This is the word of God, not a pep talk. I'm not like going out and finding something somewhere. God says you are his special possession. So we have a couple folks that, that you know, they'll, they'll joke around in meetings and things like that and go, you know, I'm special to God. And the reality is, yeah, you are. And so are you, and so are you, and so are you. Like, you are very special to God. That's scripture. You are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. into light. You know, one of the things that the inner critic does is it dampens your praise because you're focused on the wrong thing. Focused on self. 
He's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why, why is it that we listen to the inner critic? I think for a lot of us, it's become a habit. It's just the voice we're, list, we're used to listening to, and it sounds like a lot like ourselves, right? Like, like I hear myself, and I hear those thoughts, and I think a lot of us, we don't verbalize to others the inner critic. In our maturity, in our adulthood, we've learned to mask the inner critic. We say the right words, and we don't always, we, people don't always realize how hard we really are being on ourselves. And the reality is that we've learned to turn, tear ourselves down. We become experts at beating ourselves down. I remember once when I was in uh, Portland Bible College, you know, when I first got saved, I was like, like, I was just so excited to serve Jesus. And I had been a really accomplished sinner, and I was not proud of it at all. And I just wanted to serve God with all of my heart. And, you know, my wiring and my personality is like, I, I see things that aren't right. And so um, I, I turned that in on myself. And, uh, man, I saw every fault in myself. And I'll tell you what, when you are looking for the faults in yourself, you're going to find them all day and every day. And I just, I tell you what, and I just would beat myself up all the time to the point where here I am on a, on a Portland Bible College campus. Elizabeth and I had the opportunity when we were at the, the Minister's Fellowship International Conference a few weeks ago. We got to go and pray one night and pray and prophesy over students at Portland Bible School. Man, it was a blast. I mean, just, and I was thinking, man, I was so young. Um, but I would beat myself up, and these uh, two or three students that, uh, that are friends, they're friends of mine to this day, they pulled me aside one day and pulled me into a room, and they had an intervention for me. I don't know that I've told this story. They had an intervention, and they're like, dude, I don't know what language we used back in 1993. It probably wasn't dude. Um, it was probably like homeboy or I don't know what it was. Some 1990, you know, they were like, you are way too hard on yourself. Like you're like really legalistic and you're really hard on yourself. You have got to lighten up on yourself. And I looked at them and I thought, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't even really receive it in that moment. But God was, was trying to work on me to help me understand that he was not nearly as hard on me as I was on myself. I had a PhD in what was wrong with Mike Hennigan. And that was my focus. And you know what? It caused me to focus on myself, and it caused me to look inward, and it caused me to try to perfect something that Jesus really wanted me to just look at him and let him be the one who perfected me, and let him be the one who transforms me. He knows what's wrong with me. He knows I'm jacked up and I need help. He's a savior. That's what he does. But he didn't hire me as his accountant to account for all the things wrong with Mike Hennigan. The thing about the Holy Spirit in your life is the Holy Spirit is really good at delivering the hard news in a way where there's grace there to respond to it. And to say, yeah, there is an area that needs change. And I'm going to meet you with the grace to change it as you obey. But you know what? I've never found that I've come into worship 
And God had a list of, I've just been waiting for you. You know, first of all, you missed last Sunday. So now I have two weeks of stuff to talk to you about. Let's start, you better have a seat. But you might as well lay prostrate, but look spiritual, because I'm going to beat you up. That's not the heart of our God. That's not how the Holy Spirit works in your life. Don't get me wrong. I love conviction, which is a funny, it's a paradoxical phrase. Conviction is a gift. Because when you have conviction in your life that something is wrong, when it's working in a healthy way, it makes you run to God and go, God, forgive me and give me the power to change this and to not do it again and to turn away from this. And, you know, conviction's a gift. It's, a, it's like a spiritual shower. It's like, let me get this chunk off of me and God, help me to do better. But conviction is not the time out for two months and the, now you're going you're gonna to carry the yoke of shame. No, he took the yoke of shame. Well, I'm going to carry the guilt with me for a while. No, he's paid for the guilt. It doesn't mean that there isn't any emotion in it, but sometimes we just stay in the place where it's all about us and what we've done wrong. And then by the time you're about to get over it, you got something else or you thought something else or you've done something else and you're just in the cycle of the inner critic. The cycle of what did I do wrong next? And we think it honors God. And the thing is, is our own good motives can be used against us, undermine us. But the amount of energy that it takes to give that inner critic that much attention and that much focus. Notice I'm saying the inner critic, not the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe that 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 inner critic, part of it is just our sinful nature wanting to undermine the work of God in our lives. The reality is we don't have to listen to that voice. And it takes faith to say, I don't believe that's what God is saying over me. It takes faith. I know for me to break that cycle in my life, I had to give myself, it was like an easy button. And what I would do is I would talk to people that I would trust with, and I would voice the inner critic, and they would just look at me and they would go, Mike, you're being too hard on yourself. And when they said that, rather than undermine what they're saying, I said, I trust this person, their best interest. They're not just trying to give me a pass. There's something about me that's too hard on myself. And I need to agree with what, I need to agree with that and walk away from it and break this cycle. You can have the best intentions. The reality is that inner critic, while our sinful nature will help, I think there's a couple outside sources that can serve it over, the time, over our lifetime. One is the negative words and judgments that people have spoken over you. Where somebody said something, somebody declared somebody, something, somebody felt something and you felt it come in your way, and what you did is you, you owned it. It's going to sound like I'm being hard on you, but I'm not. You took that thing and you came in agreement with it. I said it that way on purpose because we're supposed to come in agreement with who? God and with his word, right? But the reality is sometimes people say things, and, and the reason I'm saying this isn't to be insensitive in a way like, like it doesn't matter and it's not hurtful and things like that. It, it, it is hurtful and it's wrong and, and we need to forgive, and we need, but we also need to not come in agreement with it, with, the very, with those words. And the reality is, you come in agreement with it long enough, nobody has to say a word because you're saying it for them. Another source of that, an outside source that feeds and can inspire an inner critic is the enemy. 
And I've got to tell you, he will lie about you all day long, and he will shame you all day long. He will tell you everything that's wrong, wrong with you, and he'll even make you feel like it's pious, like, like spiritual. Well, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm reading the Word of God, and I, I have a really honest God, and, and he really does deal with sin, and he really does care about sin, and he really does have a pathway for me to him with sin. See, the thing is, is that criticism and that shame, when it's driving you away from God, that's not the Holy Spirit working in your life. He's never drawing, pushing you away from him. He is always drawing you to him. And I, I hope that you're hearing my voice. I'm not saying that we don't deal with sin and we don't deal with conviction. We absolutely do. But we also don't stew and stay and, and, um, and marinate in shame and guilt and powerlessness. You see, we go to the cross, the place of death, and we walk out in resurrection and in power. Our inner critic, it, it hears those words from outside sources and conversations start like this. I should be more. I should be less. I should have done better. I should be like so-and-so. I should, you know, uh, I should pray like them. I should do like them. And, you know, I know every Christian is praying for three hours a day and I only pray for two minutes. And I don't even know if I meant that one. And I just, I've got all these reasons why I don't like myself. And, and the thing is, we can just pile on. You know, the, the inner critic can be so good at this, and it doesn't need the help of others anymore because you've become your worst critic. And here's the thing. I believe God wants to silence your inner critic. But you have to participate. Do you hear me this morning? You have to make a decision because, because we have to put on our big boy pants and our big boy boy uh, and our big girl pants and say you know what i have to be part of this because i'm cooperating with it and that's not a lack i'm not trying i'm being harder than i even usually am which is ironic because i'm asking you to not be hard on yourself i see that but i'm calling you to a place of saying you know what i can't agree with that i have to take authority over those thoughts um, the reality is you are not the answer to solve this problem. It's God. And it's what he says in coming agreement with him. And first, you've got to, you need to know that God doesn't speak to his kids that way. And I think it's a great way, it's a great litmus test when you're hearing voices, you know, the, the voices in your head, the conversation uh, in your head, right, is, do I think my father would talk to me that way? Such a great litmus test. Because the challenge is we'll use truth to beat ourselves up. Would my father talk to me that way? I just think it's such a great litmus test. And the reality is he's always treated me better than I deserve. He's never held back the truth. He's never beat me up with the truth. He's always drawn me to himself. And when I think about um, what being a father means and what I want to be as a father, what I would like to be as a father, let alone how good my father in heaven is, he doesn't speak to me that way. That's not what's in his spirit towards me. The point is that you've got to know 
and receive and rely on the love that God has for you. Can I say that to you a couple more times? You've got to know, receive, and rely on the love that He has for you. It has to be the oil in the engine, the fuel in the tank. I rely on His love for me, not my dialogue for myself. I love 1 John 4, verse 16. It says, And so we know and rely on the, God, the love God has for us. We know and rely on which means you've got to experience it. You've got to receive it. You've got to believe it. I don't care how unlovable you think you are. He already does love you. He needs no convincing to care for you. The conversation's over before it starts. Because God is love, it continues. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Isn't that interesting? In this world, we're like, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Some of y'all are thinking, hold on, we're supposed to have the fear of the Lord and all that? Yes, we're, don't worry, it doesn't undermine this at all, but we're not going to go there right now. Yes, the fear of the Lord is really good, that awe of the Lord, yes, it's really good. But this scripture says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And the thing I would like to call you to today is I'd like to call you to be made more perfect in love. And it's not your love for yourself, it's not this self-aggrandizing thing, it's not trying to pump yourself up or put yourself low or false humility or anything like that. You make, you're made perfect in love by being made perfect in the love that he has for you. You rest in that. You settle in that. You, get your, you come to a place where you, you say, not only am I settled, but the issue is settled. It's done. You want to silence your inner critic. You wanna, if you want to silence the power of words being spoken by others, you want to silence the enemy's accusations, be made perfect in love by trusting in the love that he has for you. It seems like a very oversimplified answer. And I promise you, if I felt like I saw in Scripture that it was more complicated, I would share it with you. But the answer is, is not, okay, this is true and that's not true. Well, this is partially true, but the way I'm saying it, you know what, you need to break out of it. Because it's not a fruitful conversation. And you've got to respond to the Holy Spirit rather than your critic. And say, you know what? Let's stop this conversation and let's put on, oh, how he loves us. Let's stop this conversation. It takes some courage sometimes to stop the conversation, doesn't it? Because it's like, and it, it, there's something that, that draws us to it, but it's, how's it? I hate uh, quoting Dr. Phil, that's not my intent. How's that working for you? Right? Is it bearing fruit? The reality is we're, we're allowing those seeds 
to grow a little root and to take root. And, the, and we've got to break away from it. I'm going to invite Jeremy up to, uh, for a moment as we close because I want to pray. And the way I'd like to pray today is that I want to pray that something powerful will shift in you because this is a word that's caught, not taught. This is, a, this is a, a revelation thing in your own heart. And I'm gonna, in a moment, I'm going to call you to lay down these thoughts that are undermining you. These performance thoughts, these shame thoughts, these guilt thoughts. It's energy that is wasting your virtue. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is it? Who's the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, it is, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's for you. He's for you. Who shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ? Who can be against us? No one, no one can be against you that is more powerful than God. Who's going to bring any charge against you? Don't let that inner critic do it. Don't let that voice do it. You know, it's God who justifies. It's Him who makes us righteous. He, the, re, the reason we can have confidence to come into the, the most holy place, the place that only one person once a year could come, isn't because of anything you ever did. It's all because of the cross of what Jesus did. You never were good enough to get to Jesus on your own. It's always been Him. And it always will be Him. And He's the one who transforms you. Who is the one that condemns? No one. He does not condemn you. And you go a few more verses in Romans 8, and this is the thing. Would you stand with me if you're here in the room today, and if you're watching online and uh, you're not driving a car or something, would you just close your eyes as I, 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 I speak this scripture over your life today? Because this is, if you can own this and receive this in your life as the word of the Lord, that is louder than the inner critic, nothing will separate you from the love of God. It says in Romans 8, verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I pray today, God, those words that separate us, those words that lie and say that we're not worthy, we're not lovable, reality is, God, you made us worthy, and you have always and always will love us, Lord God. Father, I pray today that God, you would open up the pores of our spirits and our hearts today, if you will, Lord. That you would open us up uh, in a way where, God, we can know and receive and rely 
on the love that you have for us. God, that your love would be the thing that makes us feel safe. That your love would be the thing that casts out all fear and, and that we'd be made perfect in your love, Lord God. Father, I pray, rather than knowing all of our faults, that we would know your love. Rather than knowing everything that's wrong with us, God, that we would know you, Lord Jesus. And God, that we would receive and believe and know that you love us so sincerely. It's not a, you're not working up to it, Lord God. You're not doing it just because you said you would, God, but it's a sense, it's who you are. You're a loving God. Father, the lies that have been barricades to receiving your love, let them fall in the name of Jesus. The lies that have been barricades from keeping us safe in you, let them fall in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that very specific phrases, Father, that are coming to people's minds right now, Father, that there'd be a resolve in our spirit, Lord God, that that thing no longer has authority or a voice in our life, Lord God. Father, that when that voice even tries to, 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 to say something or beckon our attention, God, that we would have a yeah, but that rises up in our spirit. Yeah, but the Lord says. Yeah, but the Lord says I'm a, I'm a chosen people. I'm a, his special possession that he's loved me with an everlasting love and he's drawn me with his loving kindness Lord I just pray that the word of the Lord the truth and the conviction of the word Father would draw up in us and agree Father with your Holy Spirit God and that Lord you would silence the critic I pray over these next days and weeks God that when phrases and thoughts come across our minds that God just don't agree with you. God, well, they would stick out. They would sound like, 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 sound wrong. And God, that you would give us the courage to let them pass, not grab onto them, not own them. There's a better word, Lord God, a better word over our lives, a better word over our minds, a better word over our spirits. God, we thank you for your love. And we confess today that you want us. You desire us. And we say, God, we love you. And we worship you. And we honor you. We lay ourselves down and put our focus on you and who you are today. You're a good and a faithful God, a kind God, a strong God, a loving God, who's always treated us better than we deserve. And we thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. We behold you. We glorify you. And we say today that your cross, Lord Jesus, is sufficient to remove our guilt. Your cross is sufficient to remove our shame. Your cross is sufficient, Lord Jesus, to remove the powerlessness that we feel. And God, for some reason, you place us in that place of honor and dignity before you. We honor you. And we praise you today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.